Welcome to Vaginas, Vulvas, and Vibrators with Jordan Donnell. This is a safe place to learn about women's health and sexual wellness. I'm your host, Jordan Donnell, physician assistant, women's sexual health educator, and intimacy coach. On today's episode, we are talking with a somatic sex coach. I'm sure many of you, like myself, are thinking, what, what is that? And I am so glad that Darshana reached out to me to talk a little bit more about this topic. I cannot wait to share with you guys more about what is a somatic sex coach, more about masturbation, and we talk about communication in relationships. So stay tuned to learn more all about that. This is our first episode in our series during Love Month all about masturbation and sex. If you haven't got my top foreplay tips yet, be sure you go do so right away. It's just in time for Valentine's Day to try something a little bit different in the bedroom. Go to foreplay.vaginasvulvasandvibrators.com to get yours today. On today's episode, we are talking with Darshana Avila. Darshana helps women and couples who are ready for radical intimacy to lay down their armor, heal attachment wounds, and claim their wholeness in life and love. As an erotic wholeness coach, she weaves together a somatic, holistic, and relational style of guidance that is rooted in nature-based and trauma-informed wisdom. Her work is dedicated to helping people feel truly at home in their bodies and lives and to experience more ease and pleasure in their relationships. She has created a toolkit of diverse yet synergistic modalities and maps that support you in bringing forth a vibrant embodied expression of your erotic wholeness. With that being said, let's go ahead and let Darshana tell us a little bit more about herself. I'm Darshana Avila. I am coming to you from my home and where I work in Oakland, California, which is the Huchin territory of the Ohlone people. I am an erotic wholeness coach, which one of the fun things about the space that I work in, fun and sometimes a little maddening, is it's all kind of self-styled titles because most things that relate to sexuality outside of medicine don't have a lot of really strict formation, shall we say, as what we do. So I have been putting together a toolkit over many years of both my personal journey and my professional practice of supporting people in exploring intimacy through their bodies primarily, as well as their hearts and their psyches and their spirits and their minds, because we need the holistic approach. So it has a lot to do with really liberating eros in the body, feeling more free to identify as and express yourself as an erotic being and have deeper intimacy with yourself, with the humans that you're connecting with and with the whole wide web of life. How long have you been an erotic wholeness coach? Well, that title came about more recently to be, that was like over this course, like the last year. um, And it's the evolution of a few different, like, shall we say, streams in my path that have flowed together. It's on the foundation of somatic sex and intimacy coaching and education, which is, that's a, a slightly more common or understood modality, depending on the circles you move in. Two of the the main modalities that I work with are sexological body work, 
which is it's many things referred to in certain contexts as somatic sex education. And so you could talk about it as like really comprehensive sex ed for adults. That's, that's one way you could think about um, sexological body work. Another is erotic therapeutic touch. So w- within the modality of sexological body work, it includes hands-on work for a lot of people, full body, meaning yes, genitals are included and very often a big part of the focus. And it's really about helping people get to know their bodies on the most intimate level, learn about their sexual response, their anatomy of arousal, move through blockages, pain, perceived dysfunctions, remediation after childbirth or surgery or different things that stand in the way of people feeling really liberated and fully expressed. So that's that's one stream of what I do. And another is heavily rooted in relationship and intimacy coaching modality called somatica, which the way that I like to talk about that is when I'm working with clients, it's like stepping into a relationship laboratory. And I get to be somebody that, you know, if you, Jordan, were my client, like we would be cultivating an authentic relationship between us. It's authentic within a certain set of parameters. And we're there for a certain reason, which is ultimately to help you feel like you've got a really safe place to explore just about every and any aspect of intimacy and intimate relationship that you might want to. So we work a lot with like attachment wounds and repatterning some of the early childhood and, and young childhood and young adult material that's, that comes into our relationships. We would get to work more around expressing desire and experimenting with different types of erotic and sexual expression, flirtation, passion, romance, like all of that gets to come into the space. But you know that you have somebody who's like really dedicated to being on board with you in a safe, high integrity, consistent way, which when we're relating in our personal lives, we we don't always know that, right? We, we often don't feel that and we get into performance mode or we're just constantly worrying about the other person's experience. And not that my clients don't care about my experience, not that I don't honor my own experience, but the whole point of doing it in the container of coaching is that you are the number one priority. Like I'm not actually trying to get all my needs met from you. I'm there in service to you getting your needs met and you expressing yourself more fully so that if you could do it with me, you can replicate that in your other relationships. Do you find that you work with mostly singles, mostly couples? Both. I have consistently worked with both throughout my entire practice, which is not true for all coaches. You know, some people really find their sweet spot and find their resonance in one or the other. I, I see a fairly even amount of individuals and couples and you get to do different work, you know, with couples, many times I'm there at playing the role of like interpreter translator a bit, <laughs> trying to help them bridge a divide or giving them permission and guidance to, to try out new things that they might not have otherwise done. Um, and so it is less about me cultivating like a deep intimacy with just one person, which is what would happen in an individual session and more about me oftentimes kind of moderating and mentoring the couple um, toward a new iteration of their partnership. So they were, you know, the sessions go a little bit differently um, 
but yeah, it's available for you, whether you're in a relationship with another person or several other people or with yourself. I feel like as a single woman, I could totally benefit from something like that to help with communication and like learning more about myself, really. Yeah. Yeah. And the bulk of my clients are single women or women who are in longer term relationships where their partners aren't necessarily super motivated to join them in an exploration such as the coaching renewing. And it ends up being really empowering for a lot of women because of what I just mentioned before. It's like when the stakes feel a lot higher when we are in a relationship and and the, the conditioning that we receive culturally for the vast majority of us is to really more center the needs and the preferences and the desires of our partner, especially if we're in a heteronormative dynamic, you know, where, where our, our sex is for the pleasure of the man, our, our behaviors are, are meant to serve and accommodate, you know, and this is getting to be less and less so as we have a more progressive feminist infusion, shall we say, in, in many of the spaces that we hang out in. But the conditioning doesn't just go away. And that that dissonance between some of us who might feel ourselves to be pretty like independent, strong women, and yet we find ourselves in a relationship and suddenly we're like regressing into these behaviors that are very much about like, okay, let, let me do what I need to do to like keep you happy. And what I love helping women is to figure out like what makes me happy? What makes me feel alive, feel turned on? Where is my yes? Where is my no? What, what, you know, if we don't know anything about where our boundaries lie, we can't communicate them to another. If we don't know like what our fantasies or desires are about, we can't share that with another. So the space that I provide like really helps women cultivate the intimacy with self so that when it comes time to be in a relationship with somebody else, you're going in with a roadmap. You're not going in blind. I love it. And that's, so I'm, I'm a single woman and I've been working a lot on intention with dating and things like that. And I feel like that just totally lines up. So that's really interesting. It's really cool. Yeah. Now, we I have never, that more. <laughs> we should, we should. I have never done anything like this. So if I was to schedule an appointment to kind of work more on like the sexological body work, what would my first visit look like? So, okay, we're having this conversation during COVID times. And so I'll, I'll put it all in context that there is COVID and then there is non-COVID times. I, as a practitioner, have primarily shut down my in-person work during COVID because as much as I might feel that there is an essentiality to what I do, I'm not actually a frontline healthcare worker. And so most of what I'm up to these days is happening in the format like you and I are connecting now, which is over video and then over phone. So initial sessions really would look like just helping somebody to first and foremost connect with their body. So the, when I, when, whenever you hear the word somatic, what that's talking about, you know, if you don't know, or if listeners don't know, like somatic is pr- simply put, it's referencing our body. We live in a world that is so bound up in our minds and, and mental is kind of put out there as like the default and, and the premium and the best way to go. And we have a disconnect from these deep feeling, sensing bodies of ours. 
So the, the foundation of what I'm doing someone with someone, especially in an early session is just kind of assessing and, and helping them to get a sense of like, do I even have a connection to my body? You know, we can't be embodied if we don't actually acknowledge the fact that we are in a body. And if we don't have access to sensation, so it's like, as I'm sitting here right now, I'm, because we're on video, like I'm watching you shake your head. I feel this thing in my body that wants to like mirror back to you. And before I did it, I was just aware of that impulse rising in me. That's a super subtle and like kind of example of like, because I've done a lot to focus on listening to and paying attention to my body, I track impulse regularly. I track sensation moving through my body regularly. And this is exactly what I am empowering clients to do more. The reason being, it's not just like gratuitous. Like that's where the foundation lives for everything that I've spoken to. When we talk about boundaries, desires, preferences, you can't really know what that's about unless you feel and sense it in your body. So that's the early stage of things. And it can go in the direction of, like I said, like if it was sexological body work and let's say you came to me because you don't feel like you're having orgasms or you're only having orgasms like one particular way and you have a curiosity about knowing more of what's possible we would first and foremost need you to be able to track and feel some of what's happening in your body because orgasm, this is a, a disclaimer here, I'm about to, to turn something on its head <laughs> that is commonly believed. Orgasm is not just a peak experience. It's not just the few seconds of building to a climax and erupting. Orgasm, as I orient toward it, is a state it's more like riding waves of pleasure and sensation versus only that peak climax. Nothing wrong with the peak climax, right? But, but that's one way to have an orgasm. And it's generally speaking, a clitoral orgasm. And for those of us in bodies with vulvas and vaginas, we have a range of what's possible and in, in so much as how we can experience orgasmic energy. And so in order to get there, we still need the foundation of feeling sensations in your body, noticing impulses, and we could build toward greater awareness and you being guided. You know, if we were able to work in person, I could be hands-on with you, stimulating you, helping you map and, and really get to know the anatomy of your arousal, which that term um, that I'm using, like anatomy of arousal, I'm borrowing that from Sherry Winston who wrote a really seminal book called The Women's Anatomy of Arousal that has incredible information in it and really amazing diagrams um, that, that provide like much more detail that is accurate and true to our bodies versus what is seen in, in many, particularly many clinical contexts. I'll have to definitely check out that book. I want to know more, like if you're doing hands-on work with me, what does that look like? What would I expect? Like, I want to understand that a little bit more. When I transition to hands-on work, which is very seldom a first session, usually there is at least a session or two or five, depending upon, you know, what any individual needs, where 
it's not really hands-on. It's definitely not close off. We're laying down a foundation of trust and safety and consent so that when we do move into territory that might be more vulnerable and where traditional power dynamics might set us up to have, you know, some some tension in our body on top of whatever is normally there or to get in our heads versus in our bodies, like trying to set a container in a field that, that really supports the greatest sense of ease that any of my clients can have. I'm deliberately not using the word safety because that's a relative term. You know, we, none of us can ensure safety for another 100% 100% of the time anyway. So yes, I want clients to feel safe with me, but mostly I want to empower them to know what constitutes their own sense of safety. And so in the beginning, we work on things like building up rapport, but also getting to know things about the pace that you authentically want to move at. So many of us really prefer a greater degree of slowness than we often give ourselves permission for. And then we, that we've been given permission for by others. So we have no idea that we're regularly overriding and speeding up. So we would go through practices that are designed to, to orient toward the pacing that feels really good to you. We would work on things like distance and proximity. So physical boundary, basically how close do you want me to be to you? And we would go through some different exercises and experiential practices that are designed to bring some awareness to that. Because again, for the, a lot of us, we're used to having our space encroached upon and not having any choice in the matter. Even if it's like, you're like, you're like oh, hey, Darshana, great, I'm happy to see you. Like, you might be happy to see me and still not want me all up in your space, right? Like, so, so we need to uncouple liking someone objectively versus like wanting physical contact or somebody to really come even close into our energetic space. So we go through some foundational things like that early on. And then where we go often is an exercise that comes from the fabulous Dr. Betty Martin, whose body of work is the wheel of consent. And you know who I'm talking about. And if your listeners don't, if you're listening to this, know who Betty Martin is. Her work is absolutely amazing. And, and so Betty does a practice called the bossy massage, which since I took one of her trainings many, many, many years ago has become like a staple in the work that I do with my clients. And the bossy massage is fabulous because you as the one receiving the massage are the boss. I am simply an instrument. I, I'm, I, I'm not going to do anything other than what you ask for. I'm going to stop at a certain agreed upon time and take my hands off your body and let you reset for as long as it takes. And so what that might look like is you saying, okay, I'd like you to just place a hand on like my back heart if you were laying on your belly and, and I put my hand there for a brief period of time. And then I take it away and you might lay there for five minutes until you feel another impulse arise. And you say, I'd like you to lightly stroke down my arms. And I would do exactly what you asked for, nothing more, nothing less. And we go through as many rounds of this as are needed to really empower you to be listening to your body 
and speaking only what your body wants, letting go of like the condition, like, oh, it needs to look like this. I have to say this is, is she getting bored over there waiting for me? Like we want to let all that nervous energy, like burn itself off and come to a place where the only thing that's happening is what you want to be happening. And from there, we have a broad range of what could go on depending upon what we're working on. That would include the whole body massage, encompassing genitals, mapping your genitals, which is about like learning where distinctions and sensation are. Where do I feel pleasure? Where do I feel numbness? Where do I feel pain? Are there other sensations that are present? Can we transform places of stuckness, numbness, pain into something else? Can we learn more about the ways that you like to be stimulated, the ways that you can move into that orgasmic state or have a peak orgasmic experience? And so it can get very deep, very juicy, but it starts slow and starts with a foundation that encourages, you know, a really deep listening to self so that by practicing in our session space, you get to bring that with you next time you're with a lover, next time you're with your partner, um, next time you're self-pleasuring or masturbating. So it's all, it's all related. When you talk about genital massage, mm-hmm. tell me more about what, what is genital massage? Does it end in orgasm or not? And what makes that legal in the U.S.? Well, okay. A lot of questions in there. Genital massage in different contexts referred to as sensual massage or sacred intimacy work or tantric massage or any, there's so many iterations of this, many of which have pretty much exclusively been offered under the, the got like the auspices of sex work which in our country is illegal unless you're in like, you know, the, the small sanctioned areas with like Vegas, I think has some degree or or Nevada has some degree of legality. I don't actually even know. So don't quote me on the legal pieces, but by and large, you know, what, what is considered sex work is an underground illicit form of work that is rooted in a lot of systemic injustice and definitely has put the workers at a disadvantage, both in terms of like their physical safety, their ability to earn good money, have the benefits that that should be afforded to them, and also the social stigma that comes along with it. So I aim all of this because it's important to say that iterations of sex work have been happening for ages. I'm very lucky to be someone who gets to do this work in a more above board way, who has had access to training, education, professional associations that that let me feel really confident in coming and having this conversation with you and talking really plainly about what I do, promoting my work. I'm seeing clients, you know, I'm I've got a strong internet presence. It's like there's no secret. Like yes, I touch people's genitals for a living primarily in non-COVID times. <laughs> um, but as far as the massage goes, it's it really is up to what the person is coming in for. So yes, pleasure as a principle is, is pretty much always woven in there. Could a, such a session end in an orgasm? Absolutely. Does an orgasm have to be the end of a session? No. 
do you have to have an orgasm for it to be a session? No, <laughs> um, regardless of what kind of genitals you have. Because when I'm working with people with penises, particularly like cis men, you know, for some of them, what they're actually working on is not orgasming, not ejaculating, you know, so the goals will differ. But we're talking about vulvas and, and vaginas. The massage, on the one hand, you know, we use the term massage because it's like, great, you massage the rest of your body and that tends to feel really good. Like, why not include your yoni? Why not include your vulva? Why not include your pussy? Whatever words you use to describe your genitals. Like, so there's something to be said just simply around inclusion. Like, instead of this black hole, no-go zone of our body, which is how our genitals are considered in many contexts, right? Like you're not in your head. You're like, yep. Even in certain professional trainings that I've been in that are not sexuality focused, but they just basically like do not speak about sex or do not include the genitals. I'm talking about even body-based modalities. Like that's just what passes for the norm. So part of the benefit of an erotic massage, of a genital massage, of you know whatever you're calling it, is that it's including the whole body. You know, I never go straight to somebody's genitals. I touch their entire body before we're going there, but we're including this part of us that is so deeply nuanced and has a capacity for so much feeling and, and can be a source of both incredible pleasure, yes, but also a lot of pain and a lot of blockage and a lot of tension and so we're going to be working with all of those layers, working with the groin and the whole pelvic girdle to, to release patterns of tension as much as we would be focusing on like stimulating the clitoris or the urethral sponge or the places that are more commonly associated with the pleasurable experiences. It includes all of that. It includes, as I was mentioning a little before, like mapping, which we use that term because it, it does have an association for many of us in our minds. It's like, okay, I'm going to create a map. I want to map out where my numb spots are so that I can focus on, like, for example, for me in my body, the left side of my clitoris is more responsive and sensitive than the right. I know this because I've spent a lot of time like paying attention to these things. Many of us have no idea and many of us would never even consider that that might be a possibility that, that there could be differences such subtle and so I mean and the clitoris physically speaking is only so big and yet I have very distinct experiences on one side versus the other and this is true for many of us we just don't know that yet so part of it is is having that amount of knowledge about our bodies learning what it's like to engage in a practice called de-armoring which is where you go and you just touch spot by spot in a very methodical way, you cover the map of your vulva moving in different concentric circles. You do this internally up through the vaginal canal all the way back in. If you have a cervix, the armor in your cervix, it's a very precise and deliberate means of going about touching, making contact, enlivening sensation, being with what's there, inviting more responsiveness and pleasure over time. So that's one form that massage can take. Another, and I and de-armoring is not massage, technically speaking, but you know, that could happen in a session, certainly. Um, and then there's the sessions where it's like, great, let's pleasure you. 
let's let's get to know what feels really good in your body and i've got a pretty wide array of technique that you know so i i love that that's what i get to do is introduce people to new ways of being touched and help them creatively explore ways that they want to be touched you know if you know that you like a really soft light feathery caress on other parts of your body well what's it like to have your vulva stroked like that you know, many of us, our experience at best is somebody goes straight for our clit, whether with their mouth or their fingers. And it's like, there's a whole network of tissues there. There's a whole range of possibility there that we can explore. And I would say that many of my clients come away feeling really honored like in the sense of they have been honored. They have received a devotional, almost worshipful quality through the sessions because it's a degree of touch that is infused with a lot of listening, of reverence. You know, it's not about following steps that work for somebody else. It's like, listen to this body, to this vulva, to this one's experience and learn what's wanted and follow from there. So that's what the sessions can, can really be about. That's so interesting. In a relationship, when you're communicating with your partner about the touch that you like or what you don't like, what kind of tips do you have for a couple when say the partner may not be very responsive to hearing what you like or don't like? One of the number one suggestions is to talk about it outside of the bedroom, you know, to have conversations that are in more neutral moments and, and actually better than neutral. Like a moment when you're really getting along great <laughs> and you're sitting down would be a wonderful chance to say like, hey, babe, I, I really want to talk to you about something I've been feeling related to our sex life. Are you open to this conversation? Consent as a practice is happening constantly. We're checking in and establishing foundations of consent, even by saying, are you available for a conversation is one way to start. Um, and the reason I suggest talking about these things not during sex is because when, when we're in the heat of the moment, sometimes th there's usually like two primary concerns that are going on in people's minds. One is that we're going to ruin the moment by speaking, which is very seldom the truth, but there is something to be said for the way we deliver information, the way we speak. And th we can say things that are either enhancing our intimacy in the moment or taking away from it. So there is some truth to that, right? If, if you're not saying it in a way that really works for you and your partner, it could take away from the intimacy. That's why I suggest talking in a non-sexual moment. The other is that people can often feel like they're being criticized, particularly male people, but you know, like, um, let's, I, I try not to gender these things. And yes, there are certain stereotypes that I see show up a lot where if somebody is wanting to, if a woman, let's go with the heteronormative dynamic. If a woman wants to give feedback to her, her partner who's a man, there might very well be a concern that he is going to take it as criticism and there might be a reality that he takes it as criticism, which is not where most of us are coming from. And so what I recommend is leaning into something that feels good and building on it. So for example, like 
if, if you like the way your partner does one thing, if you like the way he licks your pussy, but you do not like the way that he strokes it, start with what is good. I love the way it feels when your tongue is really slowly sliding in between my labia. And I really like it when you use the point of your tongue versus like the flat of your tongue. So you can get really specific here. And I know that takes like working up to some comfort for a lot of us. So, so I'm, I'm not saying that everyone's going to want to speak in this level of detail immediately. But from there, you can say, and I've noticed that sometimes when you're using your fingers, it's a little too fast for me. Like the touch feels a little too aggressive. And I'm wondering if you'd be willing to try slowing down a little more and maybe using a little more lube so that I can have greater sensation. And if you're in relationship with someone and it's a relatively healthy and equitable relationship, there's pretty much no way they're going to refuse you. If your partner is not receptive to something like that, then that is indicative of perhaps there's some bigger issues at play there. And, and, and I say that with, with a lot of care, um, that, that if you have a partner who is in such a defensive or fragile space that they can't receive you offering um, or making a request about how you want your body handled, that, that's a signal that there's, there's a bigger piece of work to be done um, that we're not going to solve in a podcast episode. So I'm just naming that as something that would be like, a, oh, we might want to get some support around this. It doesn't make your partner a horrible person. You don't have to pass judgment, but clearly there would be something at play if, that is, if, if they're not receptive to that. But assuming that they are, like, it's just a great way to, to you, you're making a request you know, we, we, it's your body and body sovereignty is, is among the most important things that you can come away from doing work with somebody like myself, feeling more empowered in that, like, this is your body. You are at choice with how your body is going to be engaged with and going to be handled. And if somebody is doing something that does not feel good to you, whether it's a medical professional or a lover, I am a big, big, big advocate for speaking for what you need and want and stepping away if you're not getting it. That really matters a lot. Now, when it comes to like the masturbation coaching side mm -hmm. of what you do, what are some things that you help women in particular with to improve their masturbation, their comfortability with it? Tell me a little bit about what that looks like. Masturbation, and I really try to use that word a lot because I, it's like a reclaiming. Like, yes, we can talk about self-pleasure, but that's almost like a, a kind of like sanitized version of things. Like masturbation has a certain grit that many of us, especially those of us who are women and conditioned as such, like we don't feel like we necessarily have a lot of permission around it in many situations. And so most of the time I see women who don't masturbate and they say that they have zero interest in it. And it's like, well, why would I even bother doing that? Or they've got like <laughs> your face. <laughs> are you wondering who these women are? Or do you know these women? I'm wondering who they are. <laughs> there, I, I guarantee you that there are, are, are people listening to this podcast who might not feel like masturbation is something that they're, that they would want to do maybe not given the fact that vibrator is in the title, but anyway. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, there, there's a lot of conditioning that many of us are having to disentangle ourselves from when it comes to that, that there's a sense of it being shameful. There's stigma attached to it. It's something we only do in secret. So that can definitely dampen the experience. Also for a lot of women, because we are spoon fed the kind of knight in shining armor fairy tale version of what relationships are supposed to be like, there's an overemphasis on receiving pleasure from another versus being the generative source of that pleasure within ourselves. So part of what we might be doing is just even opening up the possibility and creating a field of permission that you can masturbate, that that's a good thing. The other most common kind of grouping is those of us who have like a way that we masturbate, one way. And we, we probably, it was our, probably our earliest route, our earliest pathway that we followed and we kept on following it. And because our sexual response is not just a physical thing, it's very much a mental thing. What happens when we, we have like the one path that we keep following, that's also a neural pathway. Our brain is following that path over and over and over again. And just like a well-worn path through the woods, the more you walk it, it gets clearer, it gets dug in deeper, and it gets harder almost. You, you can become entrenched in it. And that's what happens for many of us in terms of our sexuality. We find a path that we follow. We know that we can pretty reliably get where we want to go, which for many is orgasm because it's goal-oriented. And so we just keep following that path. And we dig and we dig and we dig until we're basically standing in a trench. <laughs> and, and so what masturbation coaching can be is helping you climb out of the trench <laughs> and, and create some other pathways. And so what that looks like on a practical level is, first of all, it's looking at what some of the primary markers of that trench, I'm going to keep playing with this metaphor, are. And for many of us, it's tension patterns in the body. So part of what makes that means of masturbating and getting to an orgasm successful is that we've learned how to lock up our body just so to kind of hold the arousal like really, really tight and focused around our low belly, around our pelvic girdle, and we squeeze and we tense and we get ourselves to an orgasm. And you might even see this expressed through the rest of the body. You might see the limbs that are really tensed up or what have you, and it's vibrator on your clit or hand on your clit and, and rubbing and very, very friction-based. So nothing wrong with that, but it's like, if that was the only way that you were going to masturbate for the rest of your life. It's like saying you're going to only eat one meal for the rest of your life or one flavor of ice cream. And why would you want to do that? <laughs> you know, if there's all these other options out there. So the coaching really is about expanding the menu of what's possible. It's about introducing elements um, that many of us might not consider to be part of a masturbation practice, such as full body touch, movement, playing with breath and energy and sound, stimulating our genitals in different ways, using different toys, going into different physical positions. So, I mean, and, and I say this from a place of non-judgment because my pathway has been, you know, since I got my very first vibrator when I was, I think I was a freshman or a sophomore in college when I got my first vibrator. And I put it on my clit 
and all of a sudden it was like, oh my gosh, this is great. You know, <laughs> like, and then porn became a thing for me. So my trench is porn and a vibrator on my clit. And I know that 9.5 times out of 10, it's going to get me where I want to go like reliably. And so, yes, I follow that pathway many a time, but it doesn't mean that that's the only way that I want to masturbate now that I know that there are different options available. And so sometimes I really want to have like a deep, slow lovemaking session with myself. And I want more penetrative contact and I want more full body contact. Sometimes I might be, you know, I have a, a variety of different toys and vibrators that I might want to use. Or some days I feel really ultra sensitive and I only want the touch of my fingers, or I really want deep penetrative contact to stimulate my cervix. It's like, there's this whole range of what's possible. I didn't know that until this became the focus of my life. And what I find with the vast majority of my clients is that they don't know that there are all these possibilities available. So the masturbation coaching is largely about observing and learning about the way somebody does masturbate, you know, so that's a that's like the first step is, is let's understand what your baseline is. And then from there, I introduce them and give them guidance of ways that they can touch themselves, move themselves, different toys and props that they might use, and, and really helping them to flesh out a more robust menu of, of options so that you can really create a juicy session for yourself to meet you in different moods, to meet you in different moments in your cycle, in moments in your life, whatever it may be, so that you're really getting satisfied. That is so interesting. I recently did a meditation on self-pleasure and it was such an interesting experience because it involved a lot of those things that you don't normally think about when it comes to masturbation and it kind of walked yeah. you through everything. So that's, that's very interesting. I do this in groups sometimes, I'll mention that, you know, like I, I guide practices in group. And part of why I'm so passionate about that is because of a formative experience I had of having a full body orgasm in a giant, like, it's this giant dome-shaped room at a retreat center. There are probably like 90 other people in the room and I'm laying on the floor and but all of a sudden I was having a full body orgasm thanks to being guided by a, a tantra teacher and practitioner many years ago who was guiding us in breath and imagery, fully clothed, wasn't touching my genitals, had no idea at that point in my life that that was even an option. And all of a sudden I'm like, what just happened? What, what just happened? Like, and I, from that moment on, I was like, this is something that more of us need to know we have access to. And then also something that is a part of sexological body work in our training is that when we do, when we come together for the in-person modules of our training, we have group masturbation every morning. And that is an incredibly edgy experience for many, but it's also a hugely empowering one to, to be in a field of experiencing different people's approaches, um, learning from each other. It's not as voyeuristic as it might sound. To the contrary, we're encouraged to really focus on ourselves, but there is discussion that gets to happen. There's sharing of ideas and so and and just you know about our experiences. And it really can be a tremendous thing to have a group component to exploring what's possible on that front. Cause many of us don't know. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like you would learn a lot from what other people enjoy totally. as well. It can help you learn what you might enjoy or may not. 
Totally. Which that's kind of like what underlies everything that I get to do professionally when it comes to the more pleasure focused parts of the work. It's like, we're learning from each other. None of us is, there's, there's no reason why any of us should expect that we would know all there is to know, even about our own bodies. It, it's absolutely natural and normal and right that, that we would need guidance and, and, be, and, and want to have the support and the suggestions of others. And once upon a time, not all that long ago, when we lived in a way where intergenerational like village life with rites of passage and initiations were part of the cultural norms, there would have been elders teaching us about our sexuality and creating ceremony for us to mature and evolve in a way that is largely absent in most westernized modern cultures today. So there, there's a part of what I do with my clients that really is about creating those kind of containers, a place where you can really feel like you get to ask your questions and learn from the experiences of others, because many of us don't have that in our families or in our social circles. And, and we need it. No, nobody should magically just know all of this on their own. Like, it's totally okay to have questions. It's totally okay to feel lost or confused. That's why somebody like me is here. Absolutely. Now, if there was one thing that the listeners took away from this episode or like one piece of advice that you have or something for them to try at home, what would it be? Cool. One thing. (laughs) One thing that I would recommend is that you get naked in front of a mirror and deliberately and intentionally be with yourself And chances are there's going to be a lot of judgment and a lot of negative self-speak that arises. And I want you to stay with yourself until you can find something to love and to look at yourself through eyes of curiosity and compassion and maybe let yourself feel awe and wonder at what you're seeing. So many of us look at our bodies and, and our images through the eyes of what magazines or television tells us should or should not be there. And what I'm inviting you to do is to be deeply present with yourself and look not only through your eyes, but through your heart. Look with your hands. What does it actually feel like to touch your body? Open your legs, open your labia, look at your vulva, see what she is is like. What are her colors? What are her shapes, her textures? Like really look at yourself. That that's what I would love for folks to take away from this because it can be a hugely transformational experience to see ourselves through our own loving eyes. I love that. Hopefully everybody goes and gives that a try. Yes, please. (laughs) Where can our listeners find you at? So my website is a great place to find me, which is my name, darshanaavala.com. And you can find me on Instagram. Um, My handle is erotic wholeness. And those are the two main places that I hang out. Um, You'll be seeing and hearing more from me, but definitely if you follow me and get on my my list, you're going to know what some of the new for 2021 um, offerings and, and places I'm going to be hanging out are. So would love to, to get to know any and all of you who are interested. 
Perfect. And all of those links will be in the episode show notes so they can easily find you. And definitely you're going to want to see what she has coming for 2021. I have heard the details and it should be a very interesting year. So I am very excited about that. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Jordan. This has been such a fun conversation. And I love what you're doing on this podcast in general. Yes to more vulvas, vaginas, and vibrator conversations. (laughs) Yes. Thank you so much. This podcast is sponsored by Pure Romance by Jordan Jones, offering top bath and beauty products and relationship enhancement items. Check out the link in the bio to start shopping. By shopping, you are supporting this podcast. Thank you for joining today and continuing to bring awareness to women's health. If you love the show, please subscribe so you never miss another episode and leave a review for others to see. If you want to see me on the daily, you can check out my bio for links to all my pages. Be sure to share this episode with your girlfriends. Thanks again and see you next episode.